Matthew chapter 5. Praise the Lord. I'm excited here this morning to, to be able to preach the word of God. There's something that is so powerful. I believe that God put upon my heart for such a time as this. And to see what God has done and what he's doing, it's just, there, there's nothing like it. Matthew chapter 5, it's in the New Testament there. Do you have it? Praise the Lord. We're going to read in verse 14. It's a very famous portion of scripture of what we as Christians are. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time and this opportunity. I pray that you remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. He that has an ear, let him hear. My God, let faith. Arise and strengthen here this morning. Do something supernatural that only you can do. And have your way, Lord God. Do the unthinkable. In Jesus' name. And all together we said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him, light it up. Then you may be seated. Not going to be that long here this morning. Just want to share with you for just a few moments. There's been a heavy message upon my heart this past week. I was sharing with my wife that as they were there at the women's convention, God just really broke me in my room. And as he was breaking me, writing a message. So I want to share that message with you here this morning. As I was studying, something came into my spirit, and I wrote it down right away. The culture of today is catching up to the culture of yesterday. The culture of today is catching up to the culture of yesterday. As we begin to really take a look into our society and see what is taking place, not just here in America, but all over the world, we see happenings that are accelerating very, very fast. We see violence becoming very, very fast. We see teen pregnancies becoming more and more accepted and approved in societies. We see even sex slavery happening, not just as a plot of a movie, but in your local headlines at your newsstand. It's talking with the, the pastors and the ministers there in Victory Outreach Oakland, they're going to be doing something real soon. And we're going to be adjoining with them of the sex slavery that is happening in Oakland. I don't know if you know a lot about it, but there's a lot of things that are happening in Oakland, in the Bay Area. More things that they are just not on the news. And it's happening. And our society is, is making many of these things become more and more acceptable. The times have been changing, or should I say, have they really been changing? You've heard that term before, history always repeats itself, right? You've heard that before? History always repeats itself. Well, I believe that the things that are repeating itself, I believe, I wish they wouldn't be repeating itself. I wish they would stay in the chronicles of history, but my friend, they're actually finding themselves repeating it. Now we are finding a more and more distant present that is changing and corrupting our future. Things are happening at a rapid pace that are changing our future. Many people are finding themselves more and more closer to that wrath of God and that destruction of their lives within today. As I begin to watch the news and as I begin to see what is taking place and happening, you see our society deteriorating at a very, very fast pace. 
It's not the politicians that are deteriorating our society. It's not those that are in power. It's those that are saying no to Christ and yes to their immorality. That's how our society is deteriorating. As I begin to read and study the, the scriptures and I begin to see what has been taking place, it's nothing new to see society fall apart. It's nothing new to see cultures find itself without Christ inside of it. Matter of fact, there's a story in the Bible that shares about how Ahab, this king, he married a deceitful woman. Matter of fact, the Bible calls her a wicked woman, a woman by the name of Jezebel. This Jezebel woman, the funny thing about it is that we call it a Jezebel spirit, but actually she was a woman. She wasn't just a spirit. She was an actual woman. And she made things happen that, my friend, that I'm finding more and more happenings within our society today because of a woman just like this. You can read about it in the book of 1 Kings chapter 16, and you can read all about it. I'm actually not going to go real deep into it, but I want to kind of give a little bit of a short synopsis of what had taken place of what this woman did and how she was and how she came into this whole thing. This crafty woman came from a long line of monstrous tyrants. Her father was the cruel and vicious man by the name of Ethbaal who murdered his way to the throne of Sidon by assassinating his very own brothers. His name Ethbaal Matter of fact, just at the face value of that name means with Baal, or I'm with Baal. That's what his name meant. Ahab was very dominated by this unprincipled woman. One ancient writer puts it like this, of the character of Ahab, who was an example, though he had been a witness by day to Elijah's character and God's faithfulness, by night drank the poison of his wife Jezebel's Vicious persuasion. Wow. It's a heavy statement right there. See, Jezebel was a missionary of the Baal cult. She established a Baal site at Jezreel, which was Israel's capital, supporting its 450 priests out of her very own purse. Then she confused her husband to build a huge temple in Samaria, large enough to house the great crowds of idol worshipers. And you can read it there in 2 Kings chapter 10. The Bible says about how she built groves and shrines and temples of Baal. And not just temples of Baal, but temples of his lover. I want you to follow along with me because I'm going somewhere with this. Temples of his lover. And he began to fill the land with these monuments while the altars of, God, of the God of Israel, Yahweh, were grounded into powder. The land was filled with Jezebel's lavish priests and the temple's prostitutes who plied their trade on every street and the nation. Jezebel's reign was characterized by a pervasive hatred of Israel's God. She killed the prophets of God. She manipulated the people. She eventually turned their hearts. Baalism became Israel's state religion. Matter of fact, when you read in 1 Kings chapter 19, you read about how uh, many of the people were supposed to bow their knee, but only 7,000 people didn't bow their knee to the idol of Baal. But even those 7,000 people, they were still scared, even at that, because of the society that had been uh, taking place and the society and the culture that grew around them. Baal worship was the most degraded religious system ever created. And the Phoenician Baalism was the worst of that cult. It was so bad that other pagan cults, look at this, Baalism was so bad that other pagan cults called that cult evil. When the Romans encountered Baalism at Carthage, which was a Phoenician colony, they were utterly grossed out by that cult. In other words, when a pit bull says, man, you bite harder than me, that's a bite pretty bad. That's how bad this woman of a society of what she created. It was a horrible society. 
Baal worshippers engaged in a catalog of sexual weirdness, polygamy, polandry, prostitution, adultery, fornication, rape, incest, homosexual partnerships, and casual gay encounters, uh, pederastry, and even bestiality. Jezebel created a cultural revolution, freeing God's children from their moral inhibitions and sexual hang-ups, broadening their minds, stretching their consciousness, and justifying every intolerable act in the name of tolerance. Now some of you are saying, what does that have to do with our society? As you begin to study this society, you are finding more and more of this culture invading our culture. You are seeing more and more happenings of the past society, of the past happenings. Matter of fact, as you study the scriptures and as you really begin to see what has happened, uh, many of the people, theologians believe that uh, Jezebel came from a, 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 a travelers that came from Gomorrah, from Sodom and Gomorrah, probably one of the worst societies ever in history, that that's where she came from. And she came from that society and made it even worse. They came and they brought that over. Do you know that there's many cults that are trying to invade our society with their very own culture? Trying to invade the very happenings that you and I live in. But see, the great thing that I love about it is that when all this happened, when there was so much wickedness, God still raised up a people. He still raised up a person. As you begin to study the scriptures, you see that when Jezebel was finding her way, all of a sudden God says, no, I'm going to raise up Elijah. And Elijah began to rise up and said, hey, this stuff is not going to be happening. This kind of stuff is not going to be happening in my society. God's people will not find itself victim and will not find themselves bowing down to this idol. God raised up a people. Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. See, even in the darkest times, God raises up a people. At that time, it was Elijah. When the Israelites needed it, he raised up Moses. When they needed it, he raised up David. When they needed it, he raised up Abraham. When he needed it, they raised up Samson. When they needed it, he raised up Nehemiah. When they needed it, he raised up Joseph. When they needed it, he raised up Jonah. When he needed it, he raised up you. When they need, when times were the darkest, a light shined the brightest. See, not only did he raise up these people, but most of these people were found in obscure little no-name places. Read about it. Where was David? He was just off in the shepherd's field. He wasn't really doing anything. What was he doing? Really not doing nothing, just tending to these sheep, and they stink. Not really doing nothing. Where was Nehemiah? He was down in a little old place, just doing a little old nothing. I guess I'll just stomp on these grapes, I guess. I'm really not doing anything. God always finds the most obscure people to do the greatest things. In obscure places. Every time I go and every time I travel, people say, where are you from? I go, Hayward. They go, where is that? I go, maybe a little place, but we do big things. It may just be a, a, a little name, but I'm telling you, we do big things. Victory, well, I've never heard of that. That's okay. You don't have to hear about that. All you need to know is that Jesus loves you and Jesus can change you. At the time when it was darkest the most, you will shine the brightest. Now, pertaining to our society today, I heard this speech given by Jeffrey Hart. He was a Dartmouth professor. And this was written in the Wall Street Journal. I want to read it to you here this morning. He said this. He said, a great many things happened all of a sudden in this country in the very recent past. Without going into the right and wrong of every case, I list them objectively. Within living memory, abortion was a felony in virtually every state in the nation. Today, abortion is commonplace in America. Demands that it be federally funded are alleged to be rooted in the Constitution. Within living memory, hardcore pornography was largely kept out of sight, usually by a rough agreement between sellers and authorities. Now the hardcore stuff is available on our very newsstand. Within living memory, schoolchildren recited the Pledge of Allegiance every morning and in, many, and in many schools, simple prayers. At Christmas time, they sang Christmas carols. 
Suddenly, all of that fell under proscription. Within living memory, homosexuals were for the most part very discreet. Suddenly, we find that they demand public legitimization of their peculiarity, stage parades, and demand representation in governing bodies as a legitimate minority. Is there any question that a revolution has in fact been imposed upon an unsuspecting nation? My friend, as you and I take a look on the outside, as we look at the culture, we will see a, a nation, a society that is perishing. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, no, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. Our society is changing, not for the good, but for the worse. Hypocrisy nowadays is actually called comedy. And integrity is actually called into question. Valor is really only for movies, and purity is not even tolerated anymore. The Washington Post wrote this, We have reached a state of where common decency is no longer common anymore. My friend, we have pushed ourselves into a personal personal and even a social wickedness. We are living in what many are describing as a post-Christian era. I read that and I said, wow, that really, really hit me when I read that. A post-Christian era. Now, a post-Christian era doesn't necessarily mean that Christians no longer exist. What post-Christian era means is that the Christian faith no longer plays a role in shaping public opinion and public policy. In other words, the impact it once had doesn't have it anymore. Some of you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, matter of fact, you hear about it all the time. They're trying to take in God we trust off the money, and they're actually doing a pretty good job of that. They're getting rid of the prayers in the schools. The, what is happening is that the impact that Christianity used to have, it doesn't have it anymore. Go to the movies. Tell me if you see principles of Jesus Christ in there. Do you see it? Not really. Not really. Read a book. Tell me if you see the image of God and how we were created in that book. You don't see it. It's not happening. Years, hundreds of years ago, that's where they based everything off of. In God we trust. Today, our society not only says, I don't trust God. Our society says, there is no God. Our society is deteriorating at a very rapid pace. It's a very, very dark moment in our society. Fyodor Dostoevsky said this, if God does not exist, everything is permissible. The moral standard of our society is not you and I, it's God. And when you take God out of that, then pretty much everything goes. Anything goes. You can do what you want. Want to have sex? Go ahead, have sex. I have two or three partners. It's okay. You want to go out there and cheat? Go for it. Go cheat. doesn't matter. You want to go rob a bank? Eh, it's all good. It's no, no problem. Go rob this. It's not a big deal. We look at our society today, and we look at them and go, man, that's just so funny. Look at what's going on. That's hilarious. Oh, look at her. She's so young. Oh, man, she's all messed up. That is funny. Our society is changing everything around. To say, we don't need no more morals. God, we don't need you anymore. The darkest hour is finding itself. But guess what? At the darkest hour is where we shine the brightest. Okay, I'm going to need you to catch it right here. I'm telling you, I'll, we're going somewhere with this one. At the darkest hour is when you shine the brightest. Look at your neighbor and say, light it up. See, my friends, we got to be very careful on these thought-provoking lies that the enemy will try to lead our society. It's no big deal. You only live once. Go for it. Try it. It's all right. No one sees. I mean, come on. It was a big deal back then, but this is today. That was so 2000 back then. That was so 1990. This is catch up to today. It's no big deal. Listen, I want to tell you something, and listen to me very carefully. Satan is a gentleman. I know we say God is a gentleman, right, because we use that scripture, here I stand at the door and knock. I want you to know something. God is a judge. 
And he will judge our society. He will judge. He will judge the church. See, some of you are looking at me like, wait, I, I thought when I was coming here a nice message right now. I don't know. Tell me how tell me how my husband needs to change. Tell me that. Tell me that. I, I want to tell you something. Listen, we are in warfare right now. And the enemy that you are you are fighting against, he's not gonna come at you with a red mask and horns and go, rah! He's gonna come at you and say, it's okay, cheat, it's no big deal. Not a big deal. It's okay. And he comes with a very, very subtle voice. Listen, my friend, you got to realize this. Satan has thousands of years of experience over you. Don't think for a second he doesn't know the weapons that he has that he doesn't know how to use them. He knows exactly how to use them. My friend, you and I must be very aware of what the enemy wants to do to our society. But see, once again... God is not out of loss. Just like he raised up Elijah, just like he raised up David, just like he raised up Noah, just like he raised up Moses, God is ready to raise you up. God is ready to raise up a people that were not a people. Oh, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that here this morning. It is time to light it up. Even at the darkest hour. Now this light that we hear about, I want to share this with you and then we're going to close right here. This light, the Bible says that you are the light of the world. A light is to be shared, not to be kept. This light is to be used of service. There was a Roman saying back in Jesus' day. It, it said, there is nothing more useful than the sun and salt. And so that's why Jesus, when you read this portion of scripture, said, okay, then you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said, okay. That's your saying? Well, let me tell you in your symbolism how powerful light really is. Let me t show you how powerful salt really is. That's why a lot of times you will hear relevant messages and you'll see relevant things take place because we see the symbolism that our society has and we say, okay, let us show you what it really is. Let us show you all that stuff, that movie stuff. That's why we're having this movie guy come on over here to show that, hey, Hollywood is not where it's at. That's not where it's at. There's a light inside of there. Look at your neighbor and say, you got the light. See, the light is a symbol of radiance, of openness, of the joy, compatible with the blessed, blessedness shown right before that in the Beatitudes. See, there should be nothing secretive about the Christian commitment or a way of life. Now, I want to get a little scientific with you. Just for a little bit, if you failed science or you were asleep during science or maybe some of you are like, I didn't even go to school. I want you to bear with me for just a quick second because we're going to go somewhere with this. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. I shared this a couple of weeks ago about light, right? About how, what light was. Now, when you read and study about light and the spectrum. Do you guys remember that? The spectrum and all that? Remember you guys used to trip on that when you were high? Remember that whole thing? Ooh, look at the colors. Wow. And your homie was like, dude, the lights are off. Still, this is awesome. The white light is made up of the seven colors of the rainbow, right? If you remember, I remember it by Roy, Roy G. Biv. That's what I call it. Red, orange, yellow, green, uh, uh, blue, indigo, and violet, right? That's, that's the, uh, uh, all the colors of the rainbow, uh, the seven colors. All of those colors together make up the white light. See, white light is actually most colorful when all the colors come together. You ever read that scripture about how I want to know Christ and his suffering and the fullness thereof. In other words, I just don't want to know one part. I want to know the whole thing. I just don't want to know, God, how am I going to be blessed? But God, I also want to know, how am I going to suffer for you as well? See, there's a lot of churches that come and they preach blessings. And that's good and that's great. That's awesome. You will be blessed. And I want you to know, keep coming to church. You will be blessed. But I want, you to I want to tell this to you as well. As a Christian, the thing that Jesus used to always talk about, he would always say, you're going to suffer for my name. You're going to get the whole package. 
to a lot of people, they come to church and they say, oh, man, I feel good. That's good and that's great. I'm glad you feel good, but I want you to learn what it is to be good even if you don't feel like it. The whole thing. Even if your marriage isn't at the top of tops, you still know that, hey, God is still on the top of tops. God is still on the throne. He is the whole thing. Look at your neighbor and say, the whole thing. Now, as I begin to study about this light, how can you really see light? Many years ago, philosophers and scientists thought that there was an inner light that was inside of our heads that brightened up everything that we see. Kind of like how cars have headlights. When you turn it on, boom, that's how the light comes. Years after that, they said, well, that's not actually how the light comes. Years after that, they thought that it was actually the rays of light that hit the eyes and then illuminated the objects that were to be seen. Then they actually started looking up and said, well, no, 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 that, that can't be. I don't think it is that when the eyes hit the light because actually when the, when the light hits the eyes, it hurts. Okay, so it's not that. Finally, they realized light is not actually seen by our eyes but through the reflection of the sun. Light is only seen through the reflection. See, actually, you actually cannot see objects at all. You only see the reflections of the light on the surface of the objects. Only things that reflect light are visible. Okay, are you hearing me this morning? I know a little scientific, like, what? I, this is why I didn't like science. Only things that reflect the light are seen. Now, have you ever noticed, uh, uh, like maybe when you go outside or it's real hot, you wear a white shirt, and, or if you wear a black shirt, notice how a black shirt gets real hot and a white cloth does not. Well, the reason why a black cloth gets hot is because the black cloth absorbs all colors, all seven of the colors. It absorbs it all, and it turns it into energy. So that energy makes that cloth hot. So whenever that light comes and it shows itself on that cloth, it gets hot. But a white cloth doesn't get hot. Why? Because it reflects. It reflects it. So when the sun comes down and hits that object, it reflects it. And what it does is that when it reflects, it illuminates everything around it. You read the scripture before? That demons tremble at the sound of the name. The reason why demons tremble is because demons cannot reflect the light of the sun. They can't. It's impossible. That's why whenever you say that name, especially nowadays, right, in our society, you say the name Jesus and people get hot. You ever notice that? I'm a Christian. Jesus loves you. He could change your life. Because there's no reflection. Only those, you're going to catch this right now, only those that you have this light when the sun comes down and the sun begins to come upon you, there's a reflection. And people say, I see something different inside of you. See, God, they cannot see. So guess who they can't see? They can see his reflection. I can't see him. I can't see him, but I can see his reflection. That's what I can see. See, as we go out there to the streets, to the darkest places, they're looking for the light. That's why they're always going around bumping their heads. You ever notice that? It, people even say that, man. They feel like, man, I just keep bumping my head. Why do I keep bumping my head? Now, they're not doing it, you know, literally, but figuratively. Man, I just keep doing the same thing, the same thing, because there is no light. There is no light upon that situation see these colors all are absorbed within that black cloth but the white cloth reflects everything see now what is light light is actually a form of energy light is actually energy see the light from the sun is so bright that you actually cannot look directly at it you ever, how many have ever tried to do that before you look directly at the sun and after that, what do you see? Just a bunch of spots, right? 
was like, oh, my gosh. I did that. I remember one time I, I was young. I was playing baseball. I was just out in the field. And I go, you know, you know you're, just, you're a kid. You try to come up with crazy ways. I'm going to do something. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to look at the sun just for no reason. I'm going to look at the sun. And I remember I looked at the sun. I tried very I'm going to look. I looked long. I think it was like maybe 10 seconds directly at the sun. And then when I was done, I started looking at everything. I said, whoa, is this what drugs really is? <laughs> whoa. I mean, because the sun is energy. Matter of fact, they even say you can't even look at the sun when it's behind the moon. That's how strong it is. The sun is so strong, you can't even look directly at it, even if it's when it's behind something, right? The solar eclipse. They say, don't look at it. Don't look directly at it. They say you have to look at it through goggles because the sun has so much energy. The light has so much energy. Now, the thing about this energy is that this energy can be produced, measured, broken up. But this energy, this light also carries information. Light can carry information. See, you and I, as this light, we carry information that is needed in the darkest places. When the Bible, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, you reflect what he gives so that you can carry and give to those who are in need. That's what is happening here. That you, being the light of the world, now, this is where I'm going to conclude right here. Why do so many people not want to share this light? Why do so many people not want to share this light? I believe a lot of people don't want to share this light. Number one, because of fear. They're scared. They're scared about what this light is going to illuminate. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 12, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And do not live in fear of what frightens them. The other day I was on the internet and I was checking out some stuff, and somebody tagged me to this post. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but this is this new thing. It was like it became viral within a matter of seconds, literally seconds. I don't know. Wave your hand if you've heard this, Coney 2012. You guys have heard about this, Coney 2012? How many have heard it? Raise your hand, Coney 2012. Okay, so quite a few of you. This new thing, it, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's weird. It's awesome. It's not. It's a little bit of both. Some people say, it's a scam. No, it's real. It's a scam. No, it's not. Honestly, to me, it's irrelevant. I have my own Coney. It's called Hayward. So I already know where I'm fighting a battle. But this is the thing, is that as I begin to read the comments and the posts on this Coney 2012, and, you know, you can check it out for yourself. If it's real, it's, that's a crazy thing. If it's not, it's still crazy because it really is still happening, whether it's Coney or not, just to let you know. But there's this man. He was, the, you know, the number one uh, on the FBI's most wanted list. He was killing uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of children, bringing him on in, uh, making him his, uh, his soldiers. And then these young kids, 10, 11 years old, he was making him kill their parents right there in the village. I mean, just crazy stuff that's been happening for years upon years upon years. People have all these different things. But I want to tell you something. The Bible talks about do not be scared of the things that frighten them. See, way too often we're getting very scared. Oh, my gosh, it's, the, it's 2012. It's the Mayan calendar. Ah, we're going to die. Actually, I want to tell you something. You're going to die with or without the Mayan calendar. Just to let you know that. You will die. It's going to happen. See, people are always scared of the next scariest thing. What's the next? Oh, my gosh, they're, they're going to bomb us. You are going to be bombed, and you, you will die. You're going to die, whether it's Iraq that bombs you or whatever. Actually, the, the Bible talks about reading in Revelations. You think Iraq and Baghdad and all that stuff scares you? Read Revelations. You will get the hell scared out of you. And I'm not saying excuse me because it's the truth. It will scare you. All these, you know, you know, these all the movies and you know, oh, look at what they're doing. The movies ain't got nothing on the Bible. Read the thing. You'll get scared. Paranormal activity. Man, forget that paranormal. Whatever. That, I don't care about all that. 
So many people are getting scared. Oh, my gosh, look at this. Oh, did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear about that? And, and it's going. And the thing about our society, let's just say, for example, this whole Coney 2012 thing is a, a scam, a fraud. The Bible says that there will be wars and rumors of wars. I watched a video the other day of this guy. He was on top of a roof in, uh, I believe it was in Indonesia, on top of a roof. And it was just 30 seconds. He was just filming. And he, he wasn't, you know, commentating. He wasn't sharing what's going on. He was just filming. And all these people was on top of the roof. And all these people are running for their life. They're just running for their life. I don't know if you saw it. They're running for their life. And I'm like, okay, what's the purpose of this video? I don't get it. I don't understand. Then I read the description. What it was, on the other side of the island, one man uh, uh, started scaring everybody and said, there's a tsunami coming. So everybody started running for their lives. But the guy on top knew it was fake, so he just started filming everybody. Wars, rumors of wars. In other words, things that aren't even real. Things that don't even matter. Scaring people. Scaring the living daylight out of people. Just scaring them. Why? Because they don't have the real light. So that's why, listen, it's up to you and I to share this thing. You know, another reason why people don't like to share this light is because they've never really fully experienced the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The full joy. Look at your neighbor and say, the full joy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The other day I was sitting there. My wife was gone, so I was hungry. So what did I do? <laughs> microwave. Got some leftovers, put it in the microwave. Said, okay, here we go, put it in there. Got it out, and I, you know, touched the plate. Ooh, it's hot. You know, the thing's hot. And I got it, and I'm, you know, getting my fork, trying to go through my, you know, warmed up burrito. You know, like, all right. I mean, it looked good. I was like, ah, this thing's it's gonna be awesome. Started doing it, and then I, you know, I went and got it. And oh my, it was cold. So this doesn't make any sense. Started touching everything around it. I go, it's hot. But I touched the middle of it, and it was cold. And as I began to look at it, I go, oh my gosh, what, what is this? As I began to really look at this, I'm, I really began to look and say, oh my gosh, this is how many Christians believe the gospel is. This is what they think the gospel of Jesus Christ is. As long as they stay hot on the outside, the inside doesn't even matter. And they never really experience the fullness of joy within Jesus Christ. And that's why they never share the gospel. Because you've really never experienced the fullness of joy. You've experienced the effects of God, but you've never really experienced the fullness of God. See, the effects of God is when you come to church, oh, I felt great, man. That's awesome. Ooh, look at this fly. I'm going to go to this event. This is great. But you never really fully experience the joy of God. See, I don't witness because I love witnessing. I'll be honest. Witnessing is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy. I don't witness because I say, man, I just want to go up and talk to a complete stranger. I witness because I have tasted of the Lord God Almighty. And because I've tasted of him and I've really experienced him, I say, man, I want to do this. I'm not scared of any. I'm not scared. There's no problem. Yesterday I was at the, uh, the supermarket and the lady said, how are you feeling today? I go, feel good. And she goes, well, hopefully you'll feel awesome. I go, you know what? By the end of the day, I am going to feel awesome. She goes, really, how are you going to do that? And I go, how, I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> and then I just started sharing with her. Actually, I go, you know what, by the end of the day, I'm going to be done with my study. I go, I'm a preacher. She goes, really? And as soon as I said that, she goes, really? Mm. And she just kind of looked down. <laughs> okay. I go, well, you asked. You're the one that asked. I guess you're the one that saw the light. I don't know, Whatever. So I just started saying, yeah, you know, the Jesus and the church and this and that. Blah, blah. Okay, great. I was just sharing with her. No big deal. Then, check this out, right, because I, I did it by credit. 
with her credit. So she goes, here, I need you to sign this because you're famous, right? She's trying to be, you know, funny. I go, oh, okay, well, thank you. Here you go. I go, my name's not Jesus, but here you go, all right. I go, but you know who is famous? And then I busted out a flyer. I go, this guy's famous. His name's Noel G. You should check him out. He's from Hollywood. And she goes, oh, all right, wow. I go, see, now you're really met some people that are real famous. Come on out, check it out. Now, to be honest, I went in there to just buy some diapers and juice. That was it. I didn't want to share the gospel. I didn't go in there saying, today I'm going to go in here and I'm going to witness to every single person. But what happened was the opportunity arose. And so because I've experienced the fullness of God, I don't have any other thing what to do than to share the gospel. See, when you have this life and you've experienced the fullness of God and you've experienced the fullness of his joy, then you say, you know what? I don't have any other choice but, hey, I'm going to share the gospel. It's just who I am. In other words, the gospel is not a track. The gospel is not a flyer. The gospel is living inside of you. This month, as we pass out flyers, I pray that you pass out more than flyers. I pray that you pass out the life. That you pass out the life that God has given you. Listen to me, Victory Outreach Hayward. I'm closing right here. We are living in a society that is trying to shut your mouth. It's trying to shut your mouth. Do you know that in order to witness, you have to say something? Now, I know I'm going to shock many of you right now. Some of you say, well, I just come to church. That makes me a Christian. Uh, not really. No. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. I find that nowhere in Scripture that says if you go to church, you're a Christian. I don't know. And if you find it, you please let me know. I will bring Paul Torres next to me. Paul's our theologian over here. And we will dive into Scripture and we'll find it. I'm going to be honest. I don't know where you can find that. It says if you go to church, you're a Christian. I don't know. Maybe you found another Scripture. I don't know. The Bible actually talks about if you're going to be a witness, you're actually going to use your mouth. How will they know the gospel unless you open up your mouth? See what the Bible says. You have to say something. You know that there's a lot of people that have this philosophy of Christianity is that all I have to do is be a good person. I just have to be a good person. If I'm a good person, I'm going to make it into heaven. I want to tell you something. If you're a good person and that's all you do, you're going to make it into heaven's ghetto. It's called hell. I don't know any other way to put it. Jesus, can you imagine if he just lived a life of being a good person? Can you imagine if Jesus just lived a life of just healing people? That's all he did was just heal people. All he did was just have a good life. Do you know why they hated him? It's because he opened up his mouth. That's why they hated Jesus. They didn't crucify him because he was a good person. They crucified Jesus because they hated what he said. He hated when he came against their religious views. He hated when they came against and started healing people and saying that he could do it because he is the Father. The Father is in him. The Father sent him. Well, well, the, the Father did not send you. Well, who are you? I've come as a representative. You are not a representative of the Father. Blasphemy. And they started hating him. Listen, people aren't going to hate on you because you're a good person. Anybody could do that. People aren't even going to hate on you because you go to church. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. They don't really care about that. Go to church. That's good. Good for you, right? That's what they'll say. Good for you. You go to church. People are going to start hating on you when you actually start opening up your mouth and saying, you know what? Jesus loves you. And he loves you enough to not leave you the way that you are. What? No, that, that, no that's the truth. Read the scriptures. You'll read, in, it's a, I believe it's in the book of Luke, chapter 9. You read how Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. You know what I came for? I actually came to bring division. Mother against daughter. Father against son. It's cold-blooded. It's cold-blooded, right? You think, man, that's messed. Jesus, you're messed up. No, he's actually all together. We're messed up. 
So that's why, listen to me very, very carefully. I'm closing right here. I said all that about Jezebel and Ahab and our society and the like to say this. The life that you have, somebody needs it. Stop holding on to your light. Don't put it under a bush. I still remember that song when I was a little kid and we used to sing it in children's church. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. And then they used to make us scream it. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Listen, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to have that boldness like you see maybe a crazy radical person like Brother Sal come up here and say, come on, we're going to go out there, we're going to hit the streets. I'm not saying that you got to stand up on a, bar, a park bench or, or flip over a trash can and stand up on it and proclaim the gospel. Will I do that? I probably will. I'm crazy enough to do something like that. But I don't say that as a, as a you know, a spiritual badge of honor. There's no, there's no honor in that because somebody is louder than another. That's not, that's not being a witness. Being a witness is sharing your light to those that are in darkness. That's a witness. And some of you here this morning, you're coming to church, but you're holding your light right here. The, the light doesn't shine bright in a lighted place. You come to church and say, all right. I feel good. There's light everywhere. It's true. There is light everywhere. You're sitting right next to the light. But we don't come to church to show off our light. We come to church to say, God, I need this light to shine even brighter. Because I'm about to go to work tomorrow, and all they do is talk about you. All they do is use your name in vain. All they do is cuss you out. All they do is talk about their sexual uh, promiscuities that they did over the weekend. All they do is talk about what they did over the weekend and how awesome they were. But God, give me the strength to show them the light that you have given them. This isn't church, my friend. This is where we come together and assemble. But you know where church is? When you go home and your family doesn't want to hear it, then you're having church. I don't want to hear it. Good. Now I know I'm having church. See, church, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We come to church to grow in our faith. Then you leave the church to share your faith. Are you hearing me? You come to church to grow in faith. Then you leave this church to share your faith. If we are going to be true children of the light, what is a child? A child is a reflection of the parents. If you look at my son, you go, oh, he looks just like you. Why? Because he's a reflection of me. Some of your daughters, some of your sons, oh, they look just like you. They're a reflection of you. They're not you, they look like you. They're a reflection of you. Today, this morning, this afternoon, I pray that you would say, God, I want to look just like you. That when I leave here, I want to be a child of the light. This light of mine, I want it to reflect. I want people to see something different about me. Your mouth. Say something. I want to challenge you this week. I want to give you a challenge. Invite someone to church. Yes, do that. That's good and that's great. I, I pray that you do. But that's kind of like a, a side note. Really, like a down here. I want to challenge you. This week, share your light with somebody. Share your light to somebody that you know is in darkness. Now, how do you know they're in darkness? Because they'll tell you, I'm messed up. I'm all jacked up. Now, of course, you got those other people that they kind of feel they're okay. They don't think they're in darkness. All right, we know that they are. I'm talking to the one that you know, man, he's messed up. By next Sunday, share your light with at least one person. 
Now, I'm not here giving you a message trying to work on your character. You want to know why? Because you can work on your character because the light itself is energy. And the light itself helps you work on your character. And it will strengthen who you are as you become a reflection of who he is. Are you hearing me this morning? Say something. Say something. Listen to me, church. Say something. Our society is perishing. Say something. I know it's not popular to say that homosexuality is wrong. Say something. I know it's not popular to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But say something. I know it's not popular. But my friend, you got to say something. Experience the light and share the light. Listen, Victory Outreach Church, it is time to light up the city of Hayward. It is time to light up the city of Dakota. It is time to light up the city of San Leandro of Castro Valley. It is time to light up the Bay Area for Jesus Christ. It is time to light it up. It's time. It's time. In the words of Pastor Ed, we're going to reach the world. We're going to reach the world for Jesus. It's time to light it up. Stan will be here this morning. Hallelujah. Lift your hands with me here this morning. Come on. Lift your hands with me here this morning. It's time. Listen. It's time. Victory Outreach Church. You've been, many of us, you've been sitting on your hands saying, man, I'm waiting for someone to come to me. Listen. Don't wait for somebody to come to you and say, oh, yeah, I want you in my ministry. You've got a ministry. It's called the light. You've got a ministry. It's called the light. Well, I don't have much. I don't have that much money. I, I have a small house. Small, it's not about that. It's about the light. You're the light of the world. Oh, but it doesn't say you're a car of the world. You're a house of the world. It's not about that house. It's not about your car. It's about the light. You're the light. Your family, your friends, they need the light. They don't need a car. Man, I wish I could give a car. I, I pray that you're able to reach that, that level uh, with finances that you could bless people. But listen, more than all that, the light, the light, while you have the light, believe, believe. Good child, rich church, it's time to light this place on fire. It's time to light this city on, it's time to light your job on fire. It's time to light your school on fire. It's time to light it up. Light that thing on fire. Set that fire. Let it ablaze. Let it find itself ablaze within your family. Let it find itself. Listen, you heard it from Sister Gina. Her husband's not here. Her husband's actually in prison. But her light is shining bright. Listen, don't let the consequences and the circumstances of your surroundings say, oh, I can't say anything. Oh, I can't do anything. No, Victory Outreach, it's time to share the light. As I begin to sing this song, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want, to come. I want you to come. I want to pray with you here this morning. Come on, slip out of your seat. If you say, you know what? I want this light to shine brighter than ever. I want this light to shine brighter than ever. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, Victory Outreach. You say, you know what? It's time. Use me It's today. time to share this light that I've got. Let your anointing. Let this light shine so bright amongst men that they see your good deeds. And they honor and they praise your Father in heaven.